Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Guys, Locked On Browns, episode 212. By the time, uh, 24 hours from now from recording, we'll already be deep into week three of preseason as the only game tomorrow night. The Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles facing off against the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland fans, I hope you're excited. Look, this is going to be a very, very good test. Joining me here this evening, uh, one of my favorite Eagle guys, and the brand just continues to grow and grow, Michael Kiss, producer and writer for Bleeding Green Nation. Michael, how's everything going? How's the fan, bud? Oh, man, it's uh, it's fantastic now that I get to do this all of the time. Uh, the drive to work has been much easier. I just walked down the uh, down the steps here, and uh, I'm at work. I log on to Twitter, and and I'm working, baby. So, uh, it's been <laughs> it's been absolutely fantastic. It's been a great week, and I and I really look forward to bringing even more content that I was bringing before to the uh, gentle readers and gentle listeners. Uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, the gas mileage too. I mean, that's probably working out. I mean, they probably haven't put gas in the car in about a week and a half or so, right? So many hidden costs of actually having to go somewhere. <laughs> All of it's gone. Yeah, just wait till you try to you know file taxes next April and have oh, fun with geez. that. <laughs> um, Mike, first question I'm going to come with, and, and and maybe I'm asking you know from the guy who covers the Browns or the Jet fan in me, what's it like to cover a Super Bowl winner? <laughs> you know, I, I got into covering the Eagles exclusively about a year ago, right before the season, um, back when I was with uh, Locked on Eagles. And going into that season, there was there was no way. Like, people were laughing at Doug Peterson for saying that there was a more talented team there in Philadelphia than there was when he was with uh, Green Bay and, and Brett Favre was there and, and they won a chip there. And really just blew our friggin butts off with the way that he coached this team up uh, with the way that everybody elevated their game and just very, very exciting and very weird, very weird as an Eagles fan covering them during the season, during the off season, because there's a totally different vibe. There would usually be more buzz around the draft because there would be so many things to fix. There weren't this year. Uh, there would be more buzz around training camp because of all the different battles and there would be a lot of holes. And like the biggest thing that we can come up with is who's going to be the nickel corner and who's going to be like the will linebacker. And even that's like, we're not too worried about that. So a very different feeling covering a Super Bowl champion that didn't get gashed by by players leaving or anything of that nature. We were, we were uh, able to retain Nigel Bradham and, and things and bring in Mike Wallace and, and all that. So it, it's definitely a weird feeling, uh, a lot different than any other year I can remember for the Eagles for obvious reasons, but then just the complete light switch flip for the uh, for the fan base as well and their attitude. It's crazy, dude. Um, and here's the funny thing, because like, you know, I'm having, you know, I'll call them, discussions but they're probably further than that on twitter of a well jeff janice should make the cleveland browns because he's a really good you know he's a really good gunner on punt coverage I'm like <laughs> guys guys we're one in 31 let's just find the best players first and actually it's kind of funny because when they keep bringing up jeff janice that's a move maybe like the philadelphia eagles would make you know like you can just say oh well we kind of need one of those because you have everything else, you know. And meanwhile, I got to hear these. I'm like, well, do you got what do you think of him as a wide receiver? Oh no, 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 he shouldn't be in the wide receiver core. But keep him because he can, you know, cover punts. Well, you got a whole bunch of reserves to do stuff like guys fill the cupboard first, and then if you need to run out for salt or pepper, 
that's when you run out for salt or pepper. So yeah. this is kind of what we're going through here, you know, on the yin and the yang of things here, my friend. Yeah, and it's as interesting with that because when you're thinking about like special teams gunners, like one of our gunners last year was Shelton Gibson, who was a young uh, fifth round pick who did not impress as a wide receiver in camp or in the season last year. Uh, but you put him on special teams, you have a place on the roster for him. He's a young guy that you can develop, and he comes into this preseason and he's balling out a little bit. So those are the types of guys, the guys with the high upside, that the athletic profile, and the youth that you want on your special teams as contributors, like Chris Marigo. My doppelganger is our, our safety is probably going to get pushed out of a job because younger guys are coming up and we just don't see the upside as far as playing on the defense like he's he's not going to develop much more. So you should not be worrying about a slower um, a wide receiver and that role as a gunner. You should be looking for youth and athletic upside that you can develop. That's so weird. With a you know a, a sixth round guy that you drafted out of Texas A and M who's almost six foot four, his pro day was ridiculous. In a guy like Damian Ratley, if he's got mm. to spend a couple of weeks covering punts, that's fine. Go with that route. You know, yeah. we're fighting over a guy like Jeff Janis. Um, <laughs> Michael Kendricks. Uh, look, I, I don't want to get into the whole hard knocks thing because, I mean, maybe you can give a different answer to this. I don't think Michael Kendricks is that type of guy. Um, Look, I'm sure Michael Kendricks could have gone to some better destinations, but he did come to Cleveland, so maybe the Hard Knocks thing came, you know, maybe came off the wrong way. And look, guys, it's television at the end of the day. They want you to see it. There's a hook to it. You know, and, oh, well, the teams, look, at the end of the day, HBO is going to show you what they want to show you, and they're going to put the spin on it they want to put it. But Michael Kendricks, to this point, through two preseason games, I'm still surprised we're going into week three of preseason, and he is second string on the depth chart. He's been firing off the ball, got a little bit of a junkyard dog mentality to him, making a lot of plays in the backfield. But, Michael, in your experience with covering the Eagles, you know, tell the uh, fans a little bit more about Michael Kendricks and what the Browns acquired. Yeah, I mean, you got a guy that really didn't fit with what we were trying to do here, and we were going to use him in the manner in which he was best going to be utilized because we have such a, a ferocious front four and a rotation with that front four. Michael Kendricks is, I, I guess, I would say adequate uh, in run support as a linebacker, which is becoming less and less important. Um, he's it's, solid. It's not even a two-down position anymore. Right. It's a one-down position. Yeah, I've often made the argument for that because the only down that you get a higher run percentage on is is first down, and you're starting to see that uh, shift too. And it's it's almost like fifty fifty for a lot of teams. So, yeah, you're definitely seeing that shift. So that doesn't matter too much. He's solid in coverage. Um, definitely wasn't our best coverage guy last year. I would say I would say that he would be behind Bradham and Hicks, and then like above everyone else like Joe Walker and Denell Ellerby and, and whatnot. He's got you know the, the solid uh, movement skills in space, uh, just at the catch point. He He's, he's not very good, and uh, as a processor, he's not fantastic there. Where he really excels is uh, as a sub-package blitzer. Uh, he's got excellent bursts off the ball, excellent acceleration, times up his blitzes really well, has a, has a nose for running to space and finding the quarterback. Um, I can see why maybe he's not getting a first-team reps right away. I don't know if that's a Greg Williams thing. I'd have to look into that as far as, you know, does, does he keep people down until they really get his system? But, I mean... 
base is for the Cleveland Browns, and this is really only kind of true for them and maybe the uh, the Rams who have like basically safety safety hybrids as linebackers. A uh, base is actually their base, like three linebackers. So I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him to get reps, even if he's not technically a starter. I think he should at least be able to work his way into the nickel package as for some reason as little as they run it there in Cleveland. Well, the word is it's it's going to change, and look, but but for me, you know, it's Greg Williams who's you know as old and stubborn as a mule. So I'll believe it when I do see it. Um, I do think they've athletically upgraded the defense, uh, mm. but they also have guys like you know Jabril Peppers and Derek Kindred who can you know move closer to the line of scrimmage, and that's kind of where they excel. Um, but then again, with the linebacking core and with any positional core, you know injuries sometimes seem to find a way to work these things out so obviously there's that um we're gonna get a whole bunch of nate sudfeld thursday night is that the way this is gonna go and mike nobody loves them some nate sudfeld more than me (laughs) yeah i was just talking about nate sudfeld with our friend uh mark schofield uh over on uh mark knows mark mark knows knows. Yeah, and um, yeah, his development has been great. I think what's going to happen is because Foles is uh, Nick Foles's elbow and shoulder and all all that's fine now, and I think we're going to get uh, at least a half of him is from what Doug okay. Peterson said. Yeah, so then you're going to get um, Nate Sudfeld as well, and I don't think they have any interest whatsoever in putting Christian Hackenberg on the field, which is disappointing just for the the comedy and entertainment of it all. But you're going to see, you're going to see a lot of Nick Foles, and hopefully they can kind of get him into a rhythm as this thing moves along because he did not look good the the previous week. Um, I wouldn't expect him to anyway. He's he's not really a great practicer. He's more of a gamer, and preseason is basically just practice. So it, it all depends there too. And they're not always game planning it up the way that they would for a game, you know, to play towards Nick Foles' strengths either. So that's why he tends to struggle in those situations. But Nate Sudfeld, man, he was. Fantastic. He leads all quarterbacks in deep yard passing in the in the preseason. Seventy um, percent adjusted accuracy on those deep throws, and his placement on those deep throws have been absolutely majestic. They're they're just bucket throw after bucket throw. If he saw middle of the field safety coverage on on cover one, and he know he had he knew he had those guys on the outside, he was he was made made the decision pre snap that he was going to bomb it out. And it's been really successful for him. And it's been fast, fantastic uh, viewing because you get these boring, you know, third string quarterbacks with the with the noodle arms, and they're never they're going to develop into anything. You got a six six quarterback that is looking the best he has in his career, and he's got all the tools uh, to be able to do it. Still needs to work on a short area game and the and the processing part therein. But a guy that's willing to go toss it and chuck it 60 yards through the air every other play in a preseason game is a welcome change for me. So I absolutely love me some Nate Sudfeld right now. I was on with uh, John Borcher the other day, and he's like, well, why the Nate Sudfeld? The kid has stones. Uh, Like, he'll throw it in the windows. And look, he he understands that it's either his guy, their guy, or it's going to be incomplete. And when you're talking second and third string quarterbacks, that's what I liked about him. I mean, in, you know, at Indiana, you know, in the the bottom echelon of the Big Ten, he wasn't afraid to do it, and it was just it, that's what was impressive. I'm assuming he's probably the future number two guy there. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, Nick Foles' contract next year, you know, it's funny. People... It's, he's got at, a really weird contract, right? <laughs> yeah. Next year, it goes into where it's going to be like... It's, it's a $20 million cap hit, right? So it's interesting to me because people look at the Eagles and say, oh, they're $30 million like over the cap next year. Well, $20 million of that is Nick Foles, and it's, there's there's a very good chance that he is never going to see that money. So <laughs> the plan is... <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, could, we couldn't afford to pay him that as a backup quarterback there's absolutely no way and there's no guaranteed money in that whatsoever either so it's basically an option for us and with Sudfeld if he continues on this track like if they were going to keep Nick Foles then right now would be a perfect time to start shopping around Nate Sudfeld and there were um, when I was talking with Schofield from Locked On Patriots he was talking about being on a radio in New England and they were like well what do you think it would cost to get a guy like Sudfeld so it's not just the people in Philly people outside of Philly are starting to notice that this kid's got some stones to him and he's got some juice in the arm and I definitely do think he's going to be the uh, the next number two for us and I think he's going to be a very competent um, spot starter down the line uh, he's still got some development to do but it's hilarious to me that the Washington Redskins let him get uh, jacked off waivers from, from the Eagles and they're going to turn him into something better while they scramble around and trade around for old quarterbacks. Yeah, and knowing full well that Kirk Cousins was never, never laying his, you know, roost, you know, so to speak, in, you know, the D.C. area. Uh, guys, uh, you're listening to Locked On Browns. Uh, Michael Kist here. We're previewing Eagles, uh, Browns, to, uh, Thursday night, uh, soul, uh, soul game Thursday night. So, you know, the dress rehearsal, so to speak. Um, guys, we're getting late in August here. Locked On MLB. Uh, all the playoff teams are covered, so check out Lockdown MLB. Whoever you follow, whoever you like, go ahead and check those teams out. Now, Mike, uh, now Carson Wentz, is he the week one starter, or is it going to be Nick Foles? Yeah, I mean, everything is saying that he's going to be the week one starter as far as his rehab goes. He has said that it's going to be close. Um, really, we're not going to know until they they release that that final uh, the final roster if he dresses or not. Because if he dresses, then he then he's going. Uh, but he's they've been very careful with him, keeping him keeping him out of a lot a lot of um eleven on elevens and whatnot. But he's looked good, man. Um, he's in fantastic shape. He's built up his upper body more so than I've ever seen it for him. Uh, he's moving around uh, yeah, really, really well. It still looks like he's got some of that athleticism to him, and he's not afraid to uh, use it. It'll be interesting to see because we haven't seen it yet. You know, is he going to see ghosts in the in the pocket week one? Is he going to like feel like he's stepping into a snake pit? And that's kind of what happened with uh, Robert Griffin the third, and not that those two are anywhere near each other as far as mental toughness as a uh, as a quarterback, which is uh, a prerequisite for coming back from an injury like that and being successful. But it's going to be close. So I, I do not know. Um, and even then, nobody's even really uh, panicked about it because uh, I feel like we have a good uh, we have the best quarterback room in the league. I don't even think that's debatable when your backup is the uh, Super Bowl MVP and uh, your your third quarterback is throwing moonshots and putting him in garbage cans. Then you know it's it's a good feeling and nobody's really too stressed out about it. Exactly, and it wouldn't hurt anything if he started week two or he started yeah. week three. Um, and, and maybe you know, and I don't want to you know like use an injury to, like to say it'll help him. But look, you know Carson Wentz now. I mean, everything is there in place. Maybe it's time now where can Carson Wentz doesn't have to rely so much on his legs and can just you know go ahead and pick people apart and. Look, I, you know, I'll take my L on Carson Wentz. What he did <laughs> yes, last will. year, 
I mean, he really, really, I just, I mean, obviously, you know, the coaching staff and he, I mean, the time he put in, it just worked together and they really, really, it, it, it's a perfect match between Peterson and, and obviously, you know, with, uh, with Carson himself. Yeah, and you touch on an interesting point there, and it's something that I that I wanted to mention as far as the next step in his evolution with this injury and what they found out with Nick Foles and how to protect Nick Foles and make him more efficient last year was they hyperactivated the short passing game for Nick Foles in the playoffs, and he dropped his time to throw from like 2.7 to 2.5 seconds, and it really relieved the pressure on him because guys like Halapuli Vatsivaitai, who struggled to sustain blocks, didn't have to block as long. They just had to get in the way with their 315 pounds, so it was a lot easier for him and I think they're going to try protecting Wentz via the quick passing game a little bit more yeah, obviously they're going to use the RPOs not every play not every play action is an RPO but they do use them more than any other team so you know they're, they're worth talking about but I do think that that would be the next step for him seeing and, and last year I know coming into the season he worked very hard on his footwork and being ready to throw at all times after subtle movements in the pocket and even big movements in the pocket and I think that's going to help him uh, translate into this more of a pocket role he's still going to be a crazy wheeler dealer run around and and you know be a mobile quarterback i don't think that's ever going to change about him that's just you know ingrained in him but i do think you're going to see more from him in the pocket this year and you know that's the gradual you know progression right Um, michael what what does philly need to i mean it seems weird to say but what does philly (laughs) need to work on what what needs to in your opinion you know what needs to be a little bit polished in this week three preseason game we need to find out who the nickel starter is going to be on defense because we run our nickel package about 70% of the time. I'm less worried about the will linebacker uh, a job being one and more concerned with is it going to be Sidney Jones, uh, the second-year guy who basically redshirted last year as on, as our nickel corner. He's got the most nickel starts in the training camp practices and game is put together. Uh, he's been a little bit up and down. It's basically his first year back, so it's he's going to have some struggles there. But Patrick Patrick Robinson did a great job in the nickel for us last year, and we were first in DVOA in efficiency with slot wide receivers. So there is going to be some regression there. Now, if we see some positive steps from the outside, where we attack, where we were attacked a lot last year with Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby, and I do think that those guys are primed for a step forward. We won't feel that as much. But nailing that starter down, whether it be Sidney Jones, uh, the rookie Avante Maddox, or Devonte Bosby, I think this week is going to long uh, going to have a big impact on who we name the starter there and how we move forward with that um well me i was a big sydney jones guy Love and him. i i i hope it is him because it, it was the worst thing ever i remember yeah. i was at a birthday party with my kids and it was his pro day and you know sydney jones was a guy i talked with a lot during the draft process and i literally went to twitter and was like oh sydney jones sydney jones got hurt at his pro day and, you know, then, you know, there was nothing at the time. I sent him a message. I'm like, dude, I hope you're all right. And he's like, oh, dude, this 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 might not be good. It might be kind of serious. Oh. <laughs> and it, it was just tough to read. And But it was the greatest thing of all, though, was, you know, talking with him back and forth. I was like, dude, we talked in March about what happened to you. And you were literally on a team in the Super Bowl right now. He's like, dude, this is so crazy. You know, I mean, I mean, the only way to say I lost my rookie year to make up for it is uh, I've got a Super Bowl ring. You know, yeah. you know how much I did for it. But, you know, look, City Jones is a guy I'm always going to pull for. And uh, embarrassment of riches. And uh, anybody, if you need a cornerback, I think uh, Michael just told you, you might want to pick up the phone and call the Eagles. 
<laughs> so we've covered my boys, Nate Sudfeld. We've covered my boy, Sidney Jones. And then Philadelphia goes this year in drafts, yet another one of my boys, Josh Sweat, out of Florida State. What's the early word? How's my guy looking? He's um he he's he's been all right. He's had a bit of a quiet camp. Um, I think he's being. I mean, so is Derek Barnett too. So who knows what 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 that all means? But um, I think Stephen Means has been the one that has really stepped up out of that group and kind of taken some of the shine off of those other guys. So Sweat's been okay. Uh, they've been kind of been kind of easing him into everything. Really, nothing nothing major to report with with Sweat. And I really liked his uh, his his athletic profile coming out. Um, I understand the reasons uh, when you watch him on tape why he wasn't always the burstiest off the ball, which was a knock on him. But he was having a lot of ta- tackle reads where he would have to read the movement of the tackle, and he was more of a run support guy, which was miscast in a in a four eye rather than you know being able to come off the edge and attack the quarterback all the time. So his film was a difficult eval. But when you 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 saw him on the edge and saw him come off the ball when he had those ball reads, he was definitely explosive. You worry about the uh, the knee issue, the the bone on bone thing that he has, but the Eagles have such a deep rotation that he may only play 15 to 20 percent of the snaps this year, and he's not going to get a whole lot of wear and tear on that. I think once we figure out what's going on with Brandon Graham, um, Chris Long will probably move on after this year. Uh, then you're going to start to see an increased role for all of the younger guys there because there's some serious uh, youth depth there to the point where you know we we pick up Joe Osman from Central Michigan, and and I'm thinking this guy is solid but like there's literally nowhere on the roster for him and the guys that were on a practice squad last year like steven means are balling out so it's really hard to get a job right now and get snapped so that's why i can see it being a little bit of a down year for sweat people are probably going to forget about him and then next year you might see a little bit more from him okay so that's interesting so possibly a guy who could be inactive on game days yeah, for the most part, I would say that that would be a safe <laughs> bet unless um, some injuries happen. But, yeah, I would say he's most likely going to be inactive on game days. Okay. All right. Well, I got my Florida State fix, and I've always got to sneak in when I can, <laughs> Mike. You know that. Guys, locked on NFL. Matt Williamson doing a fantastic job over there. Uh, whether it's guys from PFF that are going to be on this year with Mike Renner, guys from ESPN, whether it's Mike Sando. Uh, Sage Rosenfeld is going to be on. Obviously, we got a lot of rookie quarterbacks that people want to hear about. Sage Rosenfeld is going to be there for that. Monday shows will have local experts covering, you know, whatever went down, you know, between the Sunday games or previewing you into a Monday night game. So locked on NFL with Matt Williamson, guys. Go ahead, so you know, subscribe, download the episodes over there. Um, Mike, the uh, pass rushing obviously for the Eagles is fantastic. And this is the one thing we haven't yet seen with Joel Batonio going out to left tackle, which was the right move. It should have been the move the day the draft ended. It should have been the move. He was the best left tackle in the building, had the athletic profile, played the position in college. It should have been the natural move also because of, look, you are now the captain of this offensive line. You are now the leader of this room. One thing we need to see is we need to see Joel against some athletic pass rushers. Uh, these guys going to be able to, you know, give him a good showing tomorrow night? Yeah, I mean Brandon Graham's not playing. So, I mean that's that's our biggest that's our biggest guy when it comes to that. Uh, Derek Barnett will be playing over the uh, over the left tackle. I'm not sure how many snaps uh, um, Chris Long is is gonna uh, is gonna get. It might be your night to see some some Josh Sweat. Now that I think huh? about it, because <laughs> it's happening, it's happening. 
Yeah, it's your it's your dream come true. So yeah, Stephen Means, um, not the most athletic guy, but he's uh, he's very very powerful uh, with his hands and can deliver a pop and, and put you on your butt. And he gave uh, he gave work to the uh, the tackle for the New England Patriots last week. The uh, what was it, Trent Brown? Uh, he was excellent against him. So yeah, Barnett, Josh Sweat, um, Joe Osman, Stephen Means. I don't think it's going to be about the athleticism, other than with Sweat. I think it's going to be more about the uh, the powerful guys, because um, I don't even think like Barnett. We look at him and he's had a quiet camp, and it's because his burst. Just I mean, he's got to figure out other ways how to win, other than that dip and rip that he had in college. Because you can't snap he's jump really as easily big, in the NFL. He's a really big guy, though. So it's weird that everybody wants to bring up the burst. I mean, yeah. yeah. I don't know. He, it's because me, he hasn't developed the inside counter yet. He hasn't developed the speed to power as much. So he was better with it last year than he was in college for sure. But everyone still knows him for that patent and dip and rip, which wasn't about his burst. It was about his snap anticipation and reading keys. That's why you always saw him in college. And it's the same thing in the pros too with him so far is that when Barnett isn't keyed into the snap in the first quarter, he's laid off the ball. Typically the last person off the ball at, at Tennessee was the case that I found. And I watched every snap of him going back to his freshman year after we drafted him. But when he's keyed into a tendency, like a, a certain center head bob or, or the way that a quarterback does his hand motions before the snap or his cadence or whatever the case may be, when he's keyed in, you know, he's firing off as the ball is, is coming out. That's where his burst comes from. Now, as far as him being a bigger guy, yeah, I agree, and I and I and I think that he needs to develop that speed to power a little bit more, and develop those inside moves when you know offensive tackles open the gate and start to fear that that dip and rip from him. And I think that's when he'll be really productive. Uh, he was only 21 last year; he's going to be 22 during the season this year. I think he's going to be fine. So, I mean, you're going to see some good edge guys because there's serious depth there, and you never know when they're going to kick out Michael Bennett to the edge or something like that. So there'll definitely be some challenges for Petonia. Yeah, embarrassment of riches. <laughs> must be interesting. Must must be interesting. Um, yeah. Before we let you go here, Michael. Now, obviously, you know, with the Philadelphia Eagles occupying the penthouse, I'm going to ask you for your opinion on those currently occupying the outhouse. For a guy like you, where do you view this Cleveland Browns? Ro- Please don't talk about the head coach. <laughs> Let's just talk about the roster and where it's at right now. What's your view on this current state and, yes, yes, another rebrand, but current state of where this Cleveland Browns franchise is at right now? Yeah, I mean, you look at, like, different metrics and what the team was able to put together with explosive plays and and turnover margins and whatnot. They should have had uh, a lot more wins. They're, like, one of the biggest. I thought, too, like, they will bet on their (laughs) mom that it was four to five. Yeah. And and I will give you the games, but we won't do that right now because I've done it many times. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and it, that's exactly right. It should have should have been at least four or five games that you guys were able to close out, you know, coaching aside, you know, they just didn't happen. But as far as the talent on the team, man, the offensive line looks 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 solid. They invested a lot there. The defensive line looks looks excellent. That shouldn't be a problem. Uh, your defensive coordinator has to get into the 21st century, and your you know your offense is. As far as Hughes giving up the play calling, which is good based on what I saw last year, uh, despite having an excellent track record before coming into Cleveland, I don't know what's going on with him, man. But uh, I guess what not being able to get a, you, you um, took a field goal off the board and then decided on fourth and two and a half to run a power eye set 
and then lose yardage <laughs> and give the ball to the Jets and give them the entire momentum. But go ahead, Mike. It's fine. It's, go ahead. Yeah, no, and, and it's it, so they were the talent put them in plenty of games despite the incompetence of the coaching there, which is is very frustrating to see. I'm I'm sure for for me and the, for for you guys, it's got to be just absolutely mind blowing. But yeah, I mean, as far as talent wise, and I like the Tyrod Taylor signing. I think Tyrod Taylor, you know, he's not he's not a special quarterback, and he's never going to be. But he's a very good, smart uh, quarterback. Number one to serve as not necessarily a role model, but someone that can kind of show Baker Mayfield the ropes and teach him how to work like a pro and then also give you some quality reps at quarterback while Baker develops behind him. And then you have, you know, the exciting development of Baker Baker Mayfield behind him. So if you guys can solve your franchise quarterback situation moving forward or at least get competent play from your quarterbacks without being sabotaged by the coaching staff, I think all the other pieces are in place uh, for them to put together a solid season. And I thought that going into last year, I thought they were going to be fine. I thought they were, you know, six and 10 or eight and eight. It was going to be a jump for them. Um, It just didn't materialize. And I hope I, I hope it's not the same case this year either, because um, I actually liked it, the talent that you guys have put together there. Yeah, I, I think it was. It, it's weird because like there's such a Sashi and John Dorsey divide, you know, divide yeah. here. But I think between that, if they had worked together and you would put this together, and if both these guys were in the front office at the same time, I think you'd really like it, which I do, mm. and I do like what they've assembled. Um, you know, and the best thing I think they did was bringing in Drew Stanton, who can cut the crust off of Baker Mayfield's sandwiches. And Tyrod <laughs> can say, "Look, you know, if you, Tyrod's the starter, he can go ahead and be the starter." And Drew's there to, you know, you know, Baker doesn't need his hand held, but you know, he obviously needs somebody where he can say, "Look, explain this to me. What exactly did he mean here?" So I think that Yo, clipboard think, clipboard quarterbacks are a thing in the NFL Chase for Daniel sure. Daniel is going to make forty million dollars <laughs> in this league, and you know I may take more reps than he ever did. Yeah, and it's not about the on-field play for them. It's being um, being very good at being able to take in the playbook and then communicate it to the other quarterbacks and be like an extra coach for them. I mean, that's because those guys, yeah, Chase Daniels and, and and Drew Stanton, I mean, they couldn't throw their weight out of a paper bag. So uh, for sure, the, the clipboard quarterbacks are definitely a thing. I think, uh, like you said, that in the combination of Tyrod's going to help Baker. Well, and that's the thing. You know, the one thing, like, well, Chase Daniels is going to make a great college coach. I don't know if he's going to want to do it. I mean, like, I mean, by the time he's done here, you know, I'll just take three million and uh, I'll call a couple of games on Sundays, and you know, I mean, I'll call you know sixteen games a year and do it that way. I mean, and people just don't understand, like, and like, oh, well, Chase Daniel got this money because everybody wanted him in Cleveland. We kind of saw the writing on the wall, and then the deal he signed, it was like, well, uh, oh, 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 okay, well, never mind. All right, and so yeah. you got to go a little bit further down, and you get a like guy like a Drew Stanton. Um, Michael, I appreciate you having on. Let everybody know where to find the fantastic work. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, your oldest son, Ben, obviously you guys do a great job with the show there. <laughs> it, it's it, it, The thing I like the best about the show is, is that it's a dynamic between the two of you. And it's definitely yeah. the older guy, the younger guy, and you who are definitely, you know, put the work in. And there's a lot of, you know, analysis and metric to it. And then there's Ben, who comes with a younger version of the metric and analysis <laughs> yeah. to it. It's a it, it's a crazy good show. Yeah. So well, what you want to do is go to uh, wherever you get your podcast. Just put in a uh, Bleeding Green Nation. We've got a new feed up. It's been less than a week. We've already found ourselves in the top five iTunes sports podcasts, top 100 podcasts. It's been um, a fantastic launch. 
And uh, I have a show on there with uh, with my buddy Benjamin Solak. We used to be on the Lockdown Network together, and, and it kind of led to that. So the Kisten Solak show on there. Uh, BGN Radio, Fireside Chats is another series we had. I just had Mark Schofield on there to talk about quarterbacks. Uh, we've got – uh, yeah, no, he's 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 pretty good. He knows his quarterback. I'm actually about to play some uh, video games with him tonight. Um, a little bit of PUBG action. That Hopefully won't, that won't end well. There'll be no. Oh, this is my Friday, so it's gonna be fun. <laughs> but um, also follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL, and you can check my writing out at BleedingGreenNation.com. Also InsideThePylon.com as well. Bro, I'm happy for you. I am. I, I, I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. <laughs> and with uh, a bunch of little hens in the house. Everybody needs to eat, and yep. the fact that you can work, and the fact that you can go there with the boxer shorts and the guinea tea on, <laughs> nothing better than that, buddy. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, Guys, the show, please follow it, Locked On Browns, uh, follow at Locked On Browns on the Twitter account. Uh, guys, go to whatever your podcast app is, subscribe, please rate, please review, it means a ton, I appreciate all the support. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, guys, next time you talk to me, we're going to have week three in the books. The dress rehearsal's done. <coughs> week four means nothing, obviously. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Damn dog hair. Week four means nothing, so we will have the end of the dress rehearsal by the next time you talk to me. So uh, we'll talk tomorrow night, and let's go Browns.